All right, let's go ahead and get started. Before we do, uh, let's open up with a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I especially thank you tonight for the book of Esther. Lord, I'm just amazed how uh, applicable it is to the time that we live in, to the circumstances that we find ourselves. Lord, I do pray for the folks in our church and in our community who... um, have been diagnosed with COVID. Lord, I pray for your protection. I pray that you would help them to, uh, this would be a situation that is um, not a bad case. And Lord, we pray for your quick healing and quick recovery. Lord, we pray that as we approach your word, Lord, that you would um, guide us. Lord, that we would grow in our, our walk with you because of what we find in the book of Esther. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for the last few uh, weeks, we have been looking, uh, for the last few months, we've been looking through books of the Bible. We've worked our way through. Uh, last week, we finished up looking at Ezra and Nehemiah, which leads us this week to the book of Esther. Esther is, a, I would say, regularly I'm told that Esther is people's favorite book of the Bible. Um, it has a reputation for being a very feminine book of the Bible because Esther obviously is the is the main character. But uh, Esther is one of my favorite books. It's it's amazing how we see God at work in preparing His people, protecting His people. So let's have a look. See, all right. So the, we don't know who the the author of the book of Esther is. Traditionally, Mordecai has been named as a possible author. Uh, but we just don't know. The book doesn't tell us. Like a lot of Old Testament books, there's nothing in it that suggests uh, who the author would be. The story is set in Susa, one of the Persian capitals. Uh, its time frame would be about 478 B.C., so 480 years or so before Jesus would, would be born. Uh, this story takes place in the capital of, of, of Persia. The book of Esther tells how a Jewish little girl, or a Jewish girl, becomes the queen of Persia, and God used her to save his people from a plot to destroy them. Remember the children of Israel, uh, we, we saw at the end of 2 Chronicles and at the end of 2 Kings, uh, were carried off into captivity. A wall there by the rivers of Babylon, wall there in Persia, the story in the book of Esther takes place. Uh, this is... So this places Esther in a much larger overarching story that starts with Abraham. When God says to Abraham, from your seed, I'm going to bless the whole earth. We follow this story from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Jacob's 12 sons to Joseph going to Egypt and the, the, the 11 brothers following From Egypt, we see 400 years go by and the children of Israel literally become the nation of Israel. They're in captivity. We see God keeping his promise to them, leading them out, parting the Red Sea, walking them through the wilderness, bringing them to Israel, defeating enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy. God repeating his promise to Abraham to David and Solomon and saying, not just from the children of Israel am I going to bless the world, but from your throne a king is coming. And then we see David's son Solomon who 
son Rehoboam and the, the splitting of the kingdom. And then we see from that Israel and, and, and uh, Judah being separated and the kings in the line of David in, are in Judah and Benjamin and king after king after king. And then we see Israel, king after king after king. And in Judah's case, we saw in First and Second Kings that maybe you'd have a bad king, a worse king, a good king. A bad king, a bad king, a good king. A terrible king, a good king. But in the case of Israel, it was worse, 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 worse until God gave them over and the ten tribes are, are scattered. The two tribes, uh, we have the reforms of Josiah. We have, we have God working and then finally God saying, no more. Jerusalem being taken, God's temple being taken. And yet the promise that God made to Abraham and the promise that God made to David and Solomon are still in effect. Yet we see God's children uh, off in captivity. Esther fits into that story. So the themes that we see in the book of Esther, the first one is divine providence. Nowhere is God's name mentioned in the book of Esther. And yet as you read this story, you can't help but see that God is shot through this story. That God's providential help to Israel is woven throughout this story. I will say that in these times that we live in that, that seem so troubling and so upsetting and you don't know what's going to happen today, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and, and you get online and every expert disagrees with every other expert and what's going on in our country and what's going on with the disease and what's going on, what is the World Health Organization saying today, and what is CDC saying today, and what's the President's Advisor saying today, and then statues are being pulled down, and th- institutions that we thought would, would our great-great-grandchildren would, would know of are collapsing, and it just seems like it's crazy, and Esther lived in a similar time. Everything that the children of Israel had known for hundreds of years was gone. They're outside of their own land. They're slaves in a foreign land. And yet they see that God is still faithfully doing exactly what he said he would do. That their circumstances don't dictate what God would do. And so God raises up Esther, as the book says, for such a time as this. And he uses her and her uncle to protect his people. We also see um, human responsibility. Esther and Mordecai show great initiative and courage. Their actions are obviously significant. The providence of God does not negate the responsibility of people to act with courage and resolve when circumstances require it. Mordecai says to Esther, if we don't step up, God will raise up someone else. Mordecai understood that it's our privilege to come along beside the God that created the universe as he does his work, not just our responsibility. And so it was, it's for such a time as this, echoes through this book. We see Ahasuerus and Haman, um, very powerful, important people who are unwilling lackeys in God's plan. Haman especially, we see 
um, that the proud people of this world are not nearly as powerful as they think they are. And when they oppose God's people, they bring about their own destruction. According to Psalm 2-4, God laughs. And the story of Esther in this book invite us to laugh with him. You cannot help but note how this is a funny story. It starts out with Esther, uh, with the, the queenship being vacated uh, by Queen Vashti. Esther then is able to step into that role, and young Esther becomes the queen of Persia. Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle, discovers that there was a plot to kill all the Jews. Haman had, had worked out this plan where all the Jews would be killed, and so Esther decides to step up. Now, she knew that when she went in to talk to the king that there was a, a, a ceremony to be followed. Uh, she didn't just go busting up in there and saying, well, God's going to protect me. No, she followed the protocol. She stayed submissive. She stayed the, the young lady of God that she was called to be. And then she came in. She prepared a banquet. She, you can't help but laugh at Haman who... Uh, is at this banquet who's thinking he's the bomb as he's eating this meal and he doesn't even know that he's being set up. In fact, he builds gallows to have Haman, I mean, sorry, to have Mordecai hung on and he himself will die on those very same gallows. This is a really funny story. This is a, a, a comic tragedy and as you see God at work through here setting up the, 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 the wicked rube, um, you can't help but notice that uh, wickedness is absurd. The outline of the book just simply goes, the introduction in chapters 1 through 223, the action of the book in 3, 1 through 9, 19, and then the conclusion. The purpose of the book is to let the children of Israel understand why they have a feast of Purim. In 9:28, the book tells us why the book is written. It says that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. The purpose of this book is met. Today, Purim is celebrated in Jewish communities, and today, during the, the celebration of Purim, this book is read. So it clearly achieved that purpose. I think for us, it's important for us to recognize that no matter what the circumstances are, this book starts out with Mordecai and Esther being nobodies to Mordecai and Esther being put in a position to where they have to risk everything to stay faithful to God's plan to God being victorious. As we said, in the circumstances that we find ourselves in, it's easy to feel like life is out of control. It's easy to feel like, oh my gosh, what if I've got COVID? Oh my gosh, what if this goes on? What if that goes on? There are people in this church who've been diagnosed with cancer. There are people in this church who have lost their jobs. There are people in this church that, that have to feel like life is rushing at them. This book reminds us that no matter what is going on, 
God is still in control. When my kids were little bitty, we watched a, a, a little cartoon called VeggieTales. And in that little cartoon, there was a song, the very first one, um, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. And I remember in all of my kids' lives singing that song to them when they were scared to go to bed at night or, or said that they were scared about something. God is bigger than the boogeyman. But we as adults aren't afraid of fake things in the closet. We're afraid of a mortgage bill that has to be paid. We're afraid of those 3 a.m. phone calls. We're afraid of the doctor calling and letting us know what the test results are. And I think the book of Esther shows us that even those things, God is bigger. He's in control. No matter what comes at you, Romans 8, 28 and 29 is still in the Bible. For all things work together for the good to them who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom Christ foreknew, he predestined to be transformed into the image of Christ. That everything that happens, God is using in your life to make you more like Jesus. And God is showing you his love in every circumstance. And I'm convinced that death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything in all creation shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's got you. Father God, Lord, I pray that we as your people would trust you. In these trying times, we would lean hard into you. We would look for what you're trying to teach us, but we would trust and love you. Lord, I pray that you would use these times in our life so that we would become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go serve your king.